When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Hello and welcome to a Voices of the Vic podcast. It's a podcast special from the Voices of the Vic. We're here to talk about a managerial change. We do love to talk about those, don't we, Mr. Mike Duffy? Um, but yet we're back. Obviously, the news broke yesterday that Watford parted ways with Slavin Village and they appointed Chris Wilder. And the former Sheffield United and Middlesbrough manager. Um, so yeah, me and Mike will be giving our views on the whole sacking of Slavin Bilic and the appointment of Chris Wilder. We'll have a little look into where it went wrong for Slavin Bilic as well and throwing a few stats in there for you as well. Um, but yeah, first, Mike, how are you doing, mate? You all right? Yeah, uh, all good. Um, glad to be back podcasting again, but not talking about what you know, we're talking about today. Um, I mean, <laughs> you know, I'm so, I'm starting to lose count how many emergency podcasts we have to do about manager changes. Um, it's pretty but, easy, isn't it? <laughs> I know, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's listen, it's Watford at the end of the day, isn't it? We, it's, it's what we expect. Uh, I mean, I, I'm sure we'll go into it, but I'm not too surprised at the news and I thought this might come. Um, but yeah, never a dull day as a Watford fan. Yeah, it's it's a soap opera, isn't it? It's it, it's 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 a circus. It's Watford fans just know what to expect. Um, we all kind of had a feeling at the weekend. Um, there's been mumblings on in the background for a while, but fans are obviously unhappy, and I think that's translating onto the pitch a little bit. Um, fans were losing patience with Watford within the first 10 minutes. I don't think it was helping that they kept trying to do these short free kick, uh, short goal kicks in the six-yard box, um, which got the fans on their back straight away. But lots of question marks over Slavin Bilic's time at Watford. Um, people have highlighted his in-game management, his substitution, his patterns of play. It's, it wasn't great for Slavin Bilic. It wasn't entertaining football. Um, I, I probably lie in a camp where I'm just sick and tired of talking about managerial changes. And I kind of didn't want Billich to be sat purely because I can't be asked to go into work every week and explain what the situation and having to deal with the questions of, oh, you've sat another manager and having to put up with that crap all the time. So I kind of wanted him to be given to the end of the season. But I can see why Gino's had to make the gamble. At the end of the day, this is Gino Pozzo's football club. Gino Pozzo believes that he's built a squad good enough to challenge for promotion. Watford currently lie outside the playoff position 
in ninth place, four points adrift. It would take two wins to get into the playoffs, but then you're hoping for teams to drop points in, in that regard. So it's a massive toss to try and jump back into the playoff positions. So I think Gino's looked at it thinking there's 11 games left. There's three games coming up where are probably quite winnable, but then Watford, <laughs> they don't tend to win winnable games. They tend to perform against the teams where you don't really expect them to win, just like we didn't expect them to pick up three points away at Norwich in January <laughs> after the hiding they received at Swansea City. So we've obviously got um, QPR coming up, Birmingham City and Wigan Athletic coming up, the three games before the international break. So he he's gambled his cards here and he's think I need to make a change now. Maybe the new manager bounce will kickstart Watford season and it will propel us into the playoff positions. Um, Bilic, he was only at the club for 163 days. Um, he arrived on an 18-month contract in September, obviously succeeding from Rob Edwards, who was only given 11 games at Watford. Um, Watford are 13 points off automatic promotion places, but realistically, we all know we're never going to get anywhere near that, and we kind of put that to bed back in January. Um, it was a dull nil-nil draw and performance against Preston North End at the weekend. Me and Mark was just chatting before we came on air the stats of Slavin Bilic are just so inconsistent. He managed 26 games at Watford, which is a lot more time he's been given than Rob Edwards. He won 10, drawn 7, and lost 9. That just screams inconsistent, doesn't it, Mike? Yeah, and it, it, it's Watford's story of the season. That That's what we've been like. You know, I often talk to my boss at work and he says Watford are a nightmare to bet on. Like, you know, if you're going to have a bet, you're looking at Watford. Oh, Watford are up against Preston this week. Easy Watford win, short them down. Can't beat them. You know, you, you look at the, the, the two Rotherham games. Yes, Slavin wasn't there for the away one, but the home one, bloody hell. Hull at home, nil-nil. You know, we, we, we're dropping points left, right and centre. But then Burnley haven't beaten us this year. Sheffield United we've beaten once. Granted, they beat us the other day. But we've beaten them. We've done the double over Norwich. Um, we have we've we've beaten someone else up there as well, but I can't remember for the life of me who. Uh, well, we've beaten them like down the M1. You know, uh, we've got them coming up again on the first of April. So who knows how that's going to go? There's there's still a chance that they might not beat us twice this season as well. So you look at the, the games and the games you expect Watford to struggle in because of the inconsistencies. They're the games we've done better in. It's almost as if like they're only here for the big occasions. We've we've dropped four points against Rotherham this season. We picked up two points against Rotherham. Um, you know, we've we we've we've not even picked up any against Swansea, and everyone's talking about how poor a form Swansea are in. QPR at the moment, they're going for a rough patch. They beat us at the Vic. So if if we lose on Saturday, we wouldn't have picked up any points against QPR. And yeah, it's been inconsistent. And listen, I granted some of those games I've just reeled off, Bilic wasn't in charge, but it's it's he's not been able to turn the ship. Yes, his first game in charge against Stoke was a magnificent win. A uh, large part of that is down to how poor Stoke were, but you can only beat what's put in front of you. And, you know, I do believe in such things as new manager bounce, and I, I believe that's what happened that day. Um, and, you know... 
it sort of gave us a bit of false hope that from there we were going to be all right. But we've dropped too many points against teams we shouldn't have this season. And, um, you know, as you said, automatics written off. Um, some people I'm seeing now saying, I don't want playoffs, I, I don't want to go up. Um, and listen, they're entitled to that opinion. Uh, I still want playoffs. I still want to go up. I want my team to play in the best league in the world, which is the Premier League, in my opinion. I will always want my team to play at the best level they can. Um, but it's a real battle that Wilder and his team have got on their hands. So it's, uh, yeah, strap yourselves in, Watford fans, because it's uh, it's going to be one hell of a ride, I think. And there'll be plenty of twists and turns left yet to, to take place. Well, we never do it easy, do we, Watford no. Football Club? And we've, we've definitely got it <laughs> a lot to play for now in these 11 games where it could potentially be 14 games of Chris Wilder, but we'll get on to him in a minute. Um, another stat that we actually found quite interesting, though, is in these 26 matches that Slavin Bilic managed at Watford, he actually used 39 players, which mm. is... Uh, that's ridiculous. That's like three match day 11s plus a few subs on the end of it. Like, he, he did have it tough at, at points, didn't he, Mike? He had no midfield. He had to go out and sign a free agent, Liano Bakuna. He came in. He partnered Mario Gaspar, a right wing back, in centre midfield for a Norwich City game away from home. It, he has had it tough, hasn't he? Absolutely. And there's no doubt in that whatsoever. And a large part of that will then go down. Mr Pozzo knew that these areas needed addressing. They weren't addressing, uh, they weren't addressed, sorry, much like Ivic with the whole left-back situation, asked and asked and asked and asked, didn't get. So, you know, you, you could point fingers in diff many different directions there. But, you know, a, a small part of me does feel bad for Bilic because the fact that he's managed to win 10 games with that squad, I'll be honest, when, when we looked at the stats just before we, we come live on, on air, uh, I was quite surprised to see we'd won that many. Um, you know, because it, it, to me, it doesn't feel like since Bilic has been in charge that we've won 10 games. We've won one of the last eight games. One of the last eight. It's, you know, it's it's, I, I, it's just not good enough for a team of our standard. Uh, but, of course, Bilic has been dealt a bit of a duff hands, to be honest, uh, with all these injuries. And it, it's going to be tough for anyone. So, Hopefully, now that these injuries have started coming back, you know, the, the team that we've got fully fit at our, you know, at the manager's disposal should, and I cannot stress should enough, should be picking up points left, right and centre because we've got an extremely talented players, but it's up to the players. They've got to want to do it as well because, yes, we've had some horrendous managers over the course of the Pozzo era. But also, I think that the players have sort of sold them down the river a little bit because they almost think, oh, well, you know, we, we don't like his way. So let's start playing shit a bit. And we know that the manager's going to get the sack at the end of the day. So, which I think is massively unfair. A lot of responsibility has to be put on the shoulders of these players, especially if on Saturday we turn up and do QPR, because it will largely be the same squad that Bilic had at his disposal, yet they weren't doing it for Bilic. So, yeah, I uh, I do feel a little bit sorry for Bilic, but in, in my opinion, I, I can see how many people are watching now. There might be some non-Watford fans ready to fire a few 
you know, hilarious jokes about Watford's managerial changes. But for me, this one had to happen. Yeah, and what I found interesting, Mike, as well, you saying about your surprise that Bilic actually won 10 matches at Watford. He won the majority of those games before that World Cup break. And we, we had these debates leading up to World Cup, World Cup break saying Watford was actually hitting form at that point. And we, we discussed, is it the wrong time for the season to stop the Watford Football Club in momentum kind of form? But then we discussed, well, maybe we'll have time to get some players back and then he would be able to improve the squad and would get better results. Do you reckon that World Cup break, it, it was a downfall for Watford Football Club because that momentum stopped? Yeah, it, it possibly come at the wrong time for us. But on the other hand, to play devil's advocate a bit, the, the injuries that we had, the World Cup break was probably best placed because then we had time for those injuries, those players to come back. But... Yeah, you know, the momentum definitely stopped and um, I, I think it killed us. But to be honest, Ben, I think with the players that we've got, it, it shouldn't be a problem. Uh, if anything as well, it would have um, it would have meant that Bilic had more time to work with his players. And I know, uh, I think we only, did we only lose Saar to the World Cup, I think? There might have been one other. Um, but, you know, that means everyone else should have been at London Coney. So, you know, everyone should have been training and Billich should have been putting his ideas across. But for one reason or another, they've not translated onto the pitch. You know, I'm I'm sure you, you've got it ready to, to read out sort of in a bit. But we've seen the article from The Athletic and, you know, Billich said that he thought that, you know, we had a good training session in the lead up to Preston. But for whatever reason, it's not translated onto the pitch. And that then goes back to the players sometimes don't help the situation. And if if they think it's going stale with the manager, then, you know, it's quite easy for them to think, you know what, sod this, let's not turn up this game. He'll get the sack because we know what the owners are like. And, you know, perhaps there's a little bit of that mixed in as well. Yeah, definitely. And do you, do you see that maybe Watford Football Club as well, as in Gino Pozzo, he's obviously, he's, he's not attended games for a while. The Athletic have said that it's due to personal reasons as to why he's not actually attended games lately. But obviously he would have been watching these wherever he is in the UK or over in Italy. Do you reckon the, the sense of the, the style of plays maybe played a factor as well? Because it has been so dull to watch teams under Slavin Bilic as well. He's not really implemented any style of play on his team. There's no patterns of play. Fans aren't getting off their seats. The atmosphere in the ground as well. Like The, the players need to give us something for us to get behind the team. And mm -hmm. it kind of works both ways. But it's just been so boring. Do you reckon that's maybe played a part into the decision as well? But Gino's looked at this team. It's not entertaining. We're not getting the results. And that's why he's maybe pulled the trigger. Yeah. And, you know, it sort of links into what was said over the summer where they said they wanted a young, progressive British manager. And, you know, that, that points to, to me. That certainly points that they want to play attractive football. Everyone wants to play attractive football. Yeah. And, you know, have a manager that's going to be there for a while and build a bit of a, a project. Um, so, yeah, that will have factored in. But ultimately, at the end of the day, it's a results business. The Pozzos believe that we have a good enough squad to go up. The Pozzos have seen that in the last 10 years, seven of those have been spent in the Premier League. So, ultimately, they believe that we belong up there. Now, you could start a whole different topic of conversation about have they, done, have they done enough 
to put their hands in the pocket to make sure we've got the players to stay in there, etc., etc. But we won't get onto that. But you know, ultimately, it's a results business, like I say. And the results weren't coming for for Slavon Bilic, and there was a rot, as I said earlier, one win in eight games. You look back on the eight games. Yes, there's been some tough ones, but there's been some ones that we should have won as well. Uh, and it's it's ultimately not been good enough. And we all know uh, as good as anyone that. You you go on a bad run as Watford manager and uh, and you've had it. Mm. And you mentioned those um, one win in eight games there. I had to look to see how many points we actually collected in those eight games. We collected eight points out of a possible twenty-four. Like that's not promotion chasing form, is it? And obviously we've we've slipped down in the league. At one point we was fourth. We've dropped all the way down to ninth now. Um and our arch rivals are in the playoff position with Rob Edwards, and he's doing a fantastic job there. And it's frustrating to watch as well, seeing that we had a manager. If only we gave him time, if only we backed him with the players that he needed in the fullback positions, that we could have maybe kicked on a bit further this season. But maybe it's just down to the stubbornness of Gino Pozzo, where he's like, I'll bring in the players, and you work with the players that I provide. Like, giving him Mario Gaspar's, it, it, it's not going to work in. Rob Edwards' system is it? Is it's not the guy who's going to be bursting the gut, getting up and down the the line all day long, is he? Um, it's just frustrating that we come back to the topic of recruitment, and the recruitment has cost two managers their jobs this season, in my eyes. If the recruitment was better and spot on in the summer, I, I imagine we would have been in a much better position. If we brought in Wesley Hooten, Ryan Porteous in the summer, that would have sorted our, our defence much stronger and we probably would have won more games this season. But we've had to bring them in in January. We've not really re- recruited well up front. But the, the jury's still out on Keenan Davis. We both are very frustrated with his performances. And Bilic just didn't get the best out of him either. Um, he, his last goal for Watford was against Luton back in October. He's on such a poor run of form. And Bilic, he was just so stubborn in changing his formation, wasn't he, Mike? He's he's obviously played this formation for a long time and wanted to stick with it. And like when you have a sense of things not going in your right way, you try new things, surely, don't you, Mike, to try and get these three points? Yeah, well, you know, it goes back to if it, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Well, it was the other end. It, it, it was broke. <laughs> But he didn't fix it. So yeah. yeah, it was very stubborn. It took him how long to to drop down to drop Davis down to the bench like he did on Saturday. And listen, I I didn't watch, so I can't comment on Arohu's performance. But he didn't score and we we didn't win. So it doesn't sound like he did much better. But hey, listen, I'm not judging him off um one performance against Preston North End. So um, you know, he, he is stubbornness and we've seen a lot of coaches down the line that are stubborn in their tactical approach and who they want to play and who they want to stick with. And uh, ultimately, at the end of the day, he's going to cost you your job. So it is frustrating. Um, I mean, just going back on the recruitment that you've mentioned there. Yes, you know, recruitment, is, it's not been great over the last few years. Um, and I am really excited to see what Ben Menger... Uh, Ben Manga, rather, and Helen Acosta have got up their sleeve for next season. Give them a full pre-season, a full summer to work with, and let's see what they can conjure up, because I do think good things are going to come with them at, um, in that position. 
I know, sorry, everyone, that we're going back to recruitment, but I, I think mm. the, the biggest mistake is the recruitment in the man, managerial positions. Like, with, this is like the third season out of the last four years where we've had three managers. Like, the recruitment by hiring a manager has to improve. We can't keep employing managers sacking them after three months because it's all going wrong, you're employing the wrong guy. If, if he's not getting a tune up of a player after three months, then something needs to be looked at in, in the hierarchy position. Who's hiring these uh, managers in the first place? Like We all know Roy Hodgson shouldn't have been appointed. Claudio Ranieri shouldn't have been appointed. Uh, Kiko Sanchez-Flores shouldn't have been given a, se a second stint as well. Like, and then Scott Duxbury was the one who wanted... Rob Edwards to come in. It wasn't really a Gino Posso um, managerial appointment. And then you've got Slavin Bilic who's came in as well. They're just hiring the wrong managers, aren't they, Mike? Because it's not working. Yeah, I mean, Rob Edwards is is the sort of the special case in that regard. You know, he he was the right manager. He was square pegging around hole. You know, he he's showing now, unfortunately, with them like down the roads that. He is a good manager. He just needed the players to work with his system. Worries me a little bit because I, um, I'm i sure we'll get onto it, but Wilder is known for playing a 3-5-2, so he will want to play wing-backs. Something that Edwards wanted to do didn't quite work. Now, you could argue that um, Kamara or Ken over on the left as a wing-back could work, uh, and then also Ferreira as well. Uh, we've not seen much of the boy yet, but he, he looks all right, so... You know, you could argue that those two will fill in that position, but hey, that that's that's something that we we're gonna have to wait and see if that will work. Um, but yeah, you know, Roy Hodgson shouldn't have been um, shouldn't have been reappointed. Obviously, worked for the Pozzos before uh, with Udinese uh, yonks ago, and he's quite well known. I, I sort of get what they were trying to do, but it was a wrong guy to go for. They wanted someone to come in and essentially firefight and keep us in the Premier League. You, you sort of go down the Sam Allardyce route without actually going to Sam Allardyce. You know, we needed that type of manager to try and keep us up. Hodgson wasn't that guy. Um, Ranieri, very well respected in Italy. They, again, would have looked at him and thought, this guy's won the, champ um, the Premier League with Leicester. Um, he's done well at Chelsea. Um, didn't do too well at Fulham, did well at Sampdoria as well. So they'd have looked at that and thought, you know what, this guy can come in and keep us up. Again, wrong appointment, as you say. So, yeah, you know, the, the recruitment of managers over the last few years has been questionable, to say the least. Um, I think I read somewhere that Ben Manga had his say on Billich going. So I don't know whether Ben has got more of a, a role than it's not just transfers. He's sort of overlooking things as a whole. So if that is the case, then, you know, again, we might see things change forward, um, going forward, sorry. Now, it's quite interesting that Chris Wilder has been given this till the end of the season. I think we all expected that. But does that mean now, if Chris Wilder puts himself in the window and he does get us on a good run and does get us into the playoffs and, God forbid, even gets us up, has he then put a good enough case going forward to say, well, actually... You brought me in for the last 11, 14 games. I got you up. Do I get a crack at the full-time job? Or do they have someone lined up already? So, um, 
so yeah, you know, ultimately, as you say, the 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 managers that we've brought in over the last few years, that graphic on Sky Sports kills me. There's all the managers. Uh, now, granted, some of them come to the end of their contract and weren't actually sacked, as loads of people think. Um, but you know, ultimately, it's not been it's not been good since. And I always go back to it. It was that season we reappointed Kike Sanchez Flores. That was when I first started thinking. Hang on a minute. This mm. isn't good. Before then, I was I was happy with it, but since then, it's not been good enough. We're just bored of it now, aren't we? Um, just like yeah. we didn't want to really do these managerial podcast changes, but it's the talking topic, isn't it? Um, but yeah, you said Ben Manga actually came out with a statement. Uh, the statement reads, we are all ambitious to succeed this season. So something new is needed quickly while the opportunity of promotion is still real. Um, he's added, with the January transfer window over, to change the coach is the only option to re-energise for the final games ahead. Um, so yeah, it's interesting that they actually put his name to it. There was no sign of Scott Duxbury on it or Gino Pozzo. Um, so yeah, Ben Manga probably having more of a say behind the scenes. Maybe he was involved in the second as well. you got to think that um, Bilic was here before Manga joined as well. Um, and just throwing it out there, before we talk in depth about Chris Wilder and that, we've said about how he's got a contract to the end of the season. I, I don't know any rumours or anything. I'm just saying this off what I, I believe might happen in the summer. I believe that Watford will appoint a head coach that has worked under Ben Manga before. I, I just I have a feeling that he's going to use his connections. Um, so I, I even think if Wilder gets us promoted, they might go towards what Ben Manga's worked with before. Honestly, I know nothing about it. It's on. It's just what I believe that could potentially happen. I wouldn't be surprised either. Um, but yeah, thank you everyone for putting in your comments tonight. I'm going to read through them now quickly before we head on to Chris Wilder. Uh, Dave says, Billich had to go. The football was boring. Um, Scott Michael says, it's the same old, same old. The, the rot is at the top and the bottom. It's easy for a club to just sack the middle man. Um, Russ Putnam says the players need to be held accountable on some level. Two coaches can't get to a level out of them. The leaders in the group need to pull us through these tough times. Uh, Jess says players are lazy little shits. Um, need to see some effort put in. Also, Hope Wilder will start at Spreer as I think he was our best player at the weekend when he came on. Uh, Ross Putnam says recruitment has been bad since the FA Cup final, which we we all will agree on. Uh, Scott Michael says I reckon Manga has had more to do with this balancing than uh, sacking than we realise. And then um, Jess says, where even is Scott Duxbury? Um, obviously, he's not very vocal now, but he still does write in the match day program, so he he does still get words out, but it's just not been put all over social media ever since he says to hell and high water. Um, but yeah, we'll discuss now the appointment of Chris Wilder. Uh, what, firstly, before I read into Chris Wilder a little bit, Mike, what, what's your thoughts on the appointment of Chris Wilder? Are you pleased with it or just take it with a pinch of salt at the moment because it's Watford, he could lose his job in a three, three weeks, couldn't he? <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I'm happy with it, mate. You know, I think, you know, regarding all, all scenarios and, where we are in the season at the moment, I think we've we've probably got the best man. You know, you, you're not going to go out and pinch somebody from another club at this late stage in the season. 
So, yes, he didn't enjoy the best of times at, at uh, Middlesbrough. He only won two games, I think. Um, but look at what he did before. Did really well at Oxford. Did really well at Northampton. I think he got them promoted. Um, and then he took Sheffield United from League One to the Premier League. And their first season, they finished ninth. There was talk of them even getting Europe at one stage. Mm. Granted, the season after, they didn't do too well. But, you know, a brilliant manager. Knows how to get a team promoted as well, which is fantastic. Uh, and, you know, I'm happy with it. I, I'm just hoping that this Middlesbrough stuff was a blip. Um, you know, every manager has them. And I, I certainly don't want to judge him off the however many games he was at Middlesbrough. I want to judge him as on his career as a whole. So, yeah, I think bearing in, everything in mind, I, I'm, I'm happy with Chris. And I, I'm sure... He'll get the players fired up and we'll, we'll have a real good stab at getting in the playoffs. Yeah, I, see, I'm a bit more reserved with it. I, I'm not too sure what to make of the appointment of Chris Wilder. The, the ending of his um, managerial spell at Middlesbrough does worry me. Um, they, they were really poor this season. And there could be a few factors thrown into it. He didn't have no tube at Pom and we can see what he... What he does to that Middlesbrough side, look, he's the top goal scorer in the championship and he, he's scoring goals for fun. So if he had him to his disposal, maybe it would have been a different story for Chris Wilder as well. But Middlesbrough fans don't really hold him in high regards either. He did fantastic last season when he came in. I think he won four out of his five games and they finished just outside the playoffs. Um, I think he took over from, was it was it Neil Warnock he took over from, Mike? Um, I can't remember. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So he took over from them. I think there was relegation candidates again, and then there was in the promotion picture, and they just narrowly missed out on promotion last year, finishing seventh. And then there was talk of other clubs being interested in him: Burnley, Bournemouth. He wanted to speak to these clubs, and his head was turned. Same situation as what we've had here with Marco Silva. He wanted to speak to these clubs, and he wasn't given permission. So his attitude changed a little bit and that, that upset the Middlesbrough fan base and it kind of upset some of the players behind the scene as well. And that's where he's probably not got the best out of him at the start of this season and it's it's struggled. So I am a little bit concerned by Chris Wilder's um, the appointment, but look, it's a great job for him to come into. It's, it's 11 games where he knows that it's not going to look bad on his CV if he doesn't get Watford promoted because of what's happened at Watford this season. He just comes in and if he gets us into the playoffs, that's going to look great. And I think he'll get jobs regardless of what he does with Watford this season. Um, but he, he's got a good track record, Mike. He's got promotion four times in his managerial career. He's got Oxford United promoted back into the Football League in 2009-10 season. He won League Two with Northampton. He won League One with Sheffield United with a record points of over 100 points in League One. He finished 10th that season in um, the Championship. The following season, he won promotion to the Premier League in 18-19 season. And then, yeah, that season in the Premier League where he was implementing a style of play, we all know about the overlapping centre-backs that no one's seen before, but Chris Wilder's introduced it. And they looked fantastic that, that season, didn't they, Mike? They looked brilliant with the players, uh, defenders going forward. And he was actually the LMA manager of the year, beating uh, Pep and Klopp to the award because of the work that he did with Sheffield United. Um, so he definitely knows how to get a side promoted, doesn't he, Mike? And does that give us a bit of confidence for the rest of the season? 
I think so. Like I said, I think he's he's the best man at the moment for the task ahead. Uh, I, I've just got a few stats here in the championship, just focusing because obviously that's where we are. He's managed 132 games. He's won 62 of them, drawn 30 and lost 40. So he's picked up 216 points, which is a ratio of 1.64 points per, um, uh, PPM. So, you know, it's it's good going. Um, and, you know, it all looks like it's 3-5-2 that he plays because, you know, the website we use tells you the lowdown of what formation. So we might as well get used to that. Like I said earlier, it's going to be interesting to see who he who he starts with. For me, as I said, I would go over Hassan or Ken over on the left. And then I would go on the right, I would go Ferreira. Um, but we'll see what happens. But, you know, he, he's he's certainly, you know, knows a thing or two and knows a way around a promotion. Uh, I'm not saying for one minute that we're going to get promoted, but Ultimately, we need to focus on the task at hand, which is getting into the playoffs. And yes, whilst four points at the moment feels like a bit of a, a mountain, it is still doable. And we've seen so far, I mean, the fact that we're still talking about the playoffs and the fact that we're only four points outside the playoffs, yet we've been so poor and only picked up eight points in the last eight games shows how poor the Championship has been this season. I usually... The last couple of times we've come down, I've said the championship gets harder each year. I think for the first time in a long time, this is probably one of the worst in terms of quality seasons throughout. I mean, because the boys at the top are smashing it. But throughout, I think it's really poor. And like I say, the fact that we've been so poor, yet we're still within touching distance of playoffs, speaks volumes. And also as well, you, you, you look at other teams like, um, Coventry are up there, and I know a few Coventry fans, and they're saying, "Oh well, we, we, we're in reach of playoffs." West Brom won on last night. I think they, uh, I can't remember who they beat, but they won one nil. And Sky Sports, it's all over Sky Sports. Uh, West Brom back in playoff hunt. They're, they're, they're level on points with us. Yet for us, it's all doom and gloom. Our oh, bloody hell, four points outside. So you know, bit of positivity. Chris Wilder knows the division, new manager bounce, which hopefully will happen. And all we need to do with this team, you win two or three on the bounce, everyone knows. You start a late run, a late charge. We know the playoffs is a lottery. If you start a late charge and build form and head into those playoffs, the best position we can, then we can have a bloody good stab at it. Yeah. It's a lottery, isn't it? Really, it's going to be interesting to see what happens between now and the end of the season. Um, just quick, um, a few things before we wrap it up about Chris Wilder. This three-five-two formation. You've obviously said what you do as your your fullbacks or wingbacks, whatever you want to call them. What would you actually do with Ismail Asar? How how does he fit into this side? Yeah, um, it is. Would tough, you? Would would you try him as maybe a wing-back? No, I, I don't think I'd try him as a wing-back. Defensively, I can't see him doing a job. And that is one key <clears> problem <throat> that people have time and time again. I always... One player that sticks in my mind, Glenn Johnson. He was brilliant going forward, but defensively was pants. And you need to have both in the locker, which is... We know Ken 
can do it going forward. And we know he'll put a shift in coming back. So I think Ken's perfect for that side. So, um, yeah, where you fit him in, I do not know. Could he maybe even deploy him as one of the front two? We've mm-hmm. seen Sar as a striker before in a championship and it didn't work out for him, unfortunately. But I don't know where I'd fit him in, in a 3-5-2. Chris Wilder will want to fit him in because on his day, and I stress, on his day, he's one of the best in the league. He's not had too many of those days this season, but Chris Wilder will want him in the team and absolutely I don't blame him. So luckily, that's up to Chris to decide But because I don't know where I'd fit him in. I, I ain't got a clue. I mean, if anyone in the comments wants to have a stab at where they're, they're where, you tell us where you would put Sarah in a 3 5 because it'll be interesting to see some of the answers. Yeah, and also going back to this formation, 3-5-2, during the rest of the season, we started off with a manager that played three at the back with wing-backs. It didn't really work, did it? We still haven't got the players in those wing-back positions, which is frustrating. Jury's out on Ferreira. We've not seen much of him uh, when he's played, um, when he scored. It was a fantastic, fantastically taken goal. Um, but defensively, I think he's a little bit weak still. But going forward, hopefully he can offer something going forward. Maybe he'll be stronger than Ngakia on that side or Mario Gaspar. Um, but it'll be interesting to see. But what do you think that the biggest challenge it, Chris Wilder's got with his Watford side? Biggest challenge is he's getting a tune out of us at the moment. Because uh, at the moment, he's been so stale. And the biggest challenge as well, we've we've talked about it non-stop, is getting us into the playoffs. The Pozzos would have sat down or whoever would have sat down with him and said, right, Chris, you're in, but we need to get in the playoffs. We, we need to go to the Premier League. So that's his biggest challenge, getting a team that looks like the derelict of confidence and we're four points outside the playoffs. Mm. That's his cha- the biggest challenge, is getting that team, how we are right now, to the Premier League. Uh, but like I said, I think uh, as it stands at the moment, bearing in mind we- we're almost at the end of the season and not every manager's available and you're not going to be able to poach managers away from clubs, even with fees and all that at this stage of the season, I think we have the best man to have a good go at that. Uh, and just quickly, Scott Michael says Sarah will probably pair with Joe Pedro in the front Jeez. too. So uh, Scott's probably going without a Keenan Davis up front or a Rohu, which is interesting. And remember at the start of the season when we played Sheffield United, I remember the post-match interview and Chris Wilder was very complimentary of Watford's attacking threat, saying they're the best attackers in the league. So he must be excited to be playing, um, to be working with these um, players. But I think his biggest challenge at Watford is I don't think he's got to do anything with the defence. We've seen the defence has improved with the inclusion of Wesley Hoot and Ryan Porteous. And Jesus, we've needed these in, um, upgrades in the defence for years. But and finally, we've got it now. But maybe it's a, lit, uh, a little too late um, for this season. But I think his main problem is it's linking the defence with the midfield and linking the midfield with the attack because... Looking at the team's performance the last couple of weeks, they look like just individuals. They don't play as a team. There's no one linking play up. Like you, you get loser on the ball. No one's coming towards the ball to try and get the ball off him. No one's making the runs in behind. It's it's just a mess to watch. I just think trying to get everyone on the same page 
working and getting patterns of play onto the field. And the most important thing as well is scoring goals. We look awful in front of goal. We don't create enough opportunities. When we do get the opportunities, we're very rash in front of goal. Keenan Davis missed a one-on-one at the weekend where he was slipped through. He should have done better. Joe Pedro had a couple of opportunities as well that he should have done better as well. We we need to sharpen that up in front of goal. We, we need to score goals. We scored three against West Brom, but before that game, the last time he scored more than three goals was back in October. So he needs to address that and he needs to get confidence back into Keenan Davis. And Rojo needs to get his first goal for the club. Once you get goals into those strikers, I think the confidence in the side will grow and that's where we're going to pick up these victories. But it's going to be a tough task for me personally thinking if we can get into the playoffs. So, so Mike, last question on Chris Wilder. Do you think he'll get us into a playoff? Um, I'm looking at the, the, the teams we've got left to play and listen, we said at the top of the show we don't make things easy. Uh, but we... And that graphic from the lads at second tier is it killed us. We statistically have the easiest running. I don't know how it's worked out, but statistically we have the easiest running. <laughs> I, I think one thing I must say on a positive <clears throat> note is I think we've made the change at the right time whilst there's still time to get a run going and still time to get in there and not do it with like five games left, for example. Um <laughs> I I think we will, you know. I, I think someone will slip up. You know, I can't see Coventry are up there at the moment. And listen, we've still got to play them. So I'm sure this will come back to bite me on the arse and all the Cov fans will re-watch this one. But I can't see them staying up there. West Brom, they, they hit a bad spell. Um, I can't see them sustaining a good enough run. But Sunderland, they're up there as well. They got an absolute spanking at the weekend. So I just, mm. and I, don't get me wrong, I think they're having a brilliant season, but I just think that there'll be a few more twists and turns in this season. And I think we've made the change at the right time. And as long as everyone stays fit, I think we'll make the playoffs. I don't know how we'll do in them, but I think <laughs> we will make the playoffs. What about you? Um, it's It's difficult. I think... It all depends on these first three games for Wilder. Um, QPR, Wigan, Birmingham. Pick up maximum points in those games, nine points out of three. That's a great opportunity and a springboard to try and get into those playoff positions. Fail to get nine points, I'd say the season's dead and buried. I I, I think you need... I'd say seven points and you might be able to claw into the playoffs. Nine points, I think it's a great opportunity to get in there. I think we're going to narrowly miss out. And, and I hate to say that, and I hate to be the party poo for everyone, but I'm looking at the teams in the playoffs. Middlesbrough look fantastic off Michael Carrick. I think they're guaranteed to get a place. Blackburn, they've hit form at the right time again. And we talk about these teams that hit form at the right time. John Dole Thomason's getting the best out of that squad and they've not spent much money over in the summer. They've got a good academy, they've got good players coming through and they're getting the rewards for it. So I think they're probably going to stay in there. I would, Everyone would love Luton to slip outside of the playoffs. But with the way Rob Edwards has got them playing, Colton Morris, he reminds me a lot of Troy Deeney. Um, and I think he just scores goals for fun for them. He's on double figures. He's going to continue scoring goals for them. So 
if anything, Luton might slip down to fifth, uh, no, to sixth or seventh. Norwich, they're hit and miss, aren't they, under Daniel Farker? I think that's the only spot, really, for me, would be Norwich coming out. But when you look at the teams of Millwall, they look great under Gary Rowett. He's got a right old tune out of them. Bradshaw scoring hat-tricks against big sides. You've got Fleming, who turn, who looks a good old player um, as well. And then they've signed uh, Burke on loan. And they've got a really good core of a side there. Uh, you've got Cooper in defence, who, who's just brilliant. Wins everything in the air. Very commanding. Great defender. Coventry. Gorkris is scoring for fun. He's fantastic. He is the striker that every other championship side would want leading their line. He can do everything. You can play him up there on his own like he did against Watford at the Cudrova season. Tormented our back line. We could not deal with him. So not, But I don't think they're good enough to get into the playoffs. I think Millwall possibly could. Coventry, I think they'll slip down. West Brom, I can see their away form is awful. And that's where they're dropping points. They lost to Hull the other day. So I think they won't make the playoffs. And then it comes down to Watford. Can they get enough victories between now and the end of the season to sneak in? I can see us maybe finishing seventh and it's going to be tight and might go down to the last game of the season. So yeah. to answer your question, Mike, I know it's a long, long answer, but I think we're going to narrowly miss out to maybe Millwall getting into the playoffs to take that last uh, position. So, yeah. Sorry about that. <laughs> no, I, um, I think but... there'll be a lot of people that agree with you. You know, I, mm. I think a lot of people are sort of writing the season off now and probably did a few games ago, to be honest. And listen, if, if they think they've seen sort of signs to, to be able to do that, then that's fair enough. But I just think until it's mathematically impossible... I, I I think we've got every chance because on this day and that squad's turning up, we can do it. We really, really can. Uh, and like you said, I think you made a brilliant point at the start of your, um, your, your little speech saying, we have to, for me, we have to win the first three games under Wilder. Yeah. You do not get a better... Um, someone, Odge, has just put... Um, he's t- he said I'm optimistic, but QPR have lost the last five. The last four games without um, with three goals against and no winning the last 13, that is a banana skin, as they've said. Yeah. Now, we have to win that. They're still looking for a bit of a new manager bounce under Gareth Ainsworth. Um, Birmingham City are coming to the Vic on Tuesday. I'm going to that, and I've been to two games so far this season. We've lost them both 1-0. So, Clinton prepare for a 1-0 loss. Yeah, no, I know, yeah. Um, they're, they're in horrific form at the moment. They've got loads of problems going on behind the scenes. Uh, the, the the plus, and a few Birmingham fans, if they watch this, will probably laugh. The plus for me is no Troy Deeney because he's injured. He'll, he would be the most fired-up man in Vicarage Road that night, let me tell you. Um, and then Wigan, can't buy a win. Again, famous last words, screen record this, and they'll probably laugh at me if Wigan beat us. But... We have that we could not have asked, or Chris Wilder, the, the, he, he must think the gods are smiling down on him because he could not have asked for a better first three games. Yeah. For me, we have to win those first three. If we win two and lose one, no good. If we, even if we get seven points, for me, 
it's not good enough. We have to win those first three games. So it's going to be a nervy few... I say few weeks. It's going to be a nervy two weeks because Birmingham's on the Tuesday. So this Saturday, um, I might be able to watch, but I'll be watching from behind the sofa. Tuesday, I'm there at the Vic. I'm driving down. Uh, And then the Saturday after against Wigan, I don't know what I'm doing. I'll probably watch. But it's going to be a nervy couple of weeks. And yeah, um, we, we might be having a completely different conversation in two weeks' time on the pod. And going back to this QPR game at the weekend, I believe it's a banana skin as well. Um, I know Gareth Ainsworth hasn't won his first two games there, but QPR, since the World Cup, they've got their bottom of the form table, 24th. They've picked up the lowest points since the World Cup. They've not won a game in this calendar year either. Uh, they just look awful, but they have been hit by a lot of injuries as well. So maybe he'll be able to get some players back and they'll, they'll maybe climb the league a little bit but what for the gift that keeps on giving aren't they really when the teams are crying out for victories what would help them out when teams are on winless runs what for the team you want to play against because what would give you three points I'm hoping it's different this weekend at QPR we'll see um, but yeah um, if you are um Going to the game on QPR, you might see me. I'm I'm heading to the game. Um, I'm actually going to do a match day vlog as well. I don't know if you've watched it yet. Um, me and Mike wanted to do match day vlogs on the Voices of the Vic for a while, but we've never got round to actually doing it. Um, so I actually tried my best to deliver one last week against Preston. What a game to pick, eh? Nil-nil, <laughs> boring game. Um, but it went... Quite well, didn't it, Mike? I've actually put it together quite nicely, edited nicely, added a bit of music into it. Um, So, yeah, going to do them, looking mainly for away games this season, um, we're going to do them for. But if if the demand's there, people are enjoying it, I'll continue to do the home ones as well. Um, So, yeah, keep your eyes peeled for these matchday vlogs. Like I say, I'm going to do it this weekend. I'm going into London. I'll have a few drinks. uh, Could get a bit leery. Um, But, yeah. Make sure you're, you you um, subscribe to the YouTube channel um, so you'll get updated when there's a new video being um, announced. But, yeah, everyone, thank you so much tonight for watching me and Mike ranting about what the football club. Um, we love this football club to the bottom of our heart, but, my God, we are also sick and tired with it as well. Um, another managerial change at Victory Drive. We are on our third manager of the season, which has happened three times out of the last four years. Um, I will leave you with that stat there. Uh, Stay safe, everyone, and come on, you ones. Sports Social Podcast Network.